Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to uh, Season 3, Episode 58. Um, back to clocks for this episode. So moving on from these early, early lantern clocks, um, spike clocks made in London, and uh, we're going to focus on early long case clocks, <coughs> which were built in London. And this will be... Um, you know, several small episodes here. Not to, we're going to try to keep our episodes uh, in season three a little bit shorter than in the past. Not too short, but shorter. So early long case clocks from London. The earliest London clocks I think I'll be examining here. Um, I'm just going to be brief about it. Traditional lantern clocks continue to be made with the new escapements until about 1700. So, but right now I'm concerned with other weight-driven clocks, principally long case, whose features first developed in London were for the most part continued when eight-day clocks began to be made in the provenances. So this was not the case, however, the provincial 30-hour clocks, which largely had a different origin. The great majority of London-made long-case clocks at all periods from their inception in 1658 were of the eight-day duration or even longer. There was a taste towards the end of the century for clocks of a month duration, a fashion which soon seems to have passed. It was just a passing fad, I guess. Clocks running for more than three months or even six months or 12 months were made, but, <coughs> excuse me, were exceptionally uncommon. A few 30-hour clocks were made in London in the 17th century, perhaps to cater for the lower price market. They were made either as single-handers or two-handers and either with plated or posted movements, square pillar or lanted pillar forms. And some were long case examples, while others were hooded clocks, the latter usually quite recognizable. Even if today caseless by their exceptionally small dials, normally less than nine inches and frequently less than eight, a surprising number of these hooded clocks today seem to be caseless or to have been recased later, some to become, quote, grandmother clocks. This may have been because their cases were of ebonized pine or of walnut veneered to pine, which may have perished just through time. 30-hour long case clocks of any period represent no, no more than a tiny fraction of the London work, to the degree that I automatically think of London long case clocks as being an eight-day clock right off the bat. So by the 1680s, the London long case dial had reached 10 inches in size, developed gradually with time through 11 to the 12 inch norm by the end of the century. Any of these three sizes may be met by the late 17th century, but by the end of the century and thereafter, 12 inches was the most invariable size. London dial sheets were normally solid castings and therefore relatively heavy not having the cartwheel spokes found on many provincial, principally northern dials, which were often cast in that form. 
Later movements of this period normally had five pillars riveted to the back plate and fastened to the front plate by notches and latches and tapered pins. Each in this period had six pillars, and this was just not unusual, and occasionally even more than six. The high number of pillars was to give extra rigidity to the plates, and six pillars, sometimes more, were also used at later times for extra strength in longer duration clocks, which would have to carry larger weights. So by the end of the century, it was found that more than five pillars were unnecessary for in, in London work, which had settled down to a normal five-pillar construction. In the provinces, fewer pillars were used at almost all periods than in London, <coughs> other than occasional country makers. Pillars at this time normally had a central knob that were finned with a decorative effect. Earlier clocks of this period often had their pillars latched, a latch being a small swivel catch that pressed into a notch in the pillar end to hold the plate fast. Some of the earliest clocks also had their normally four dial feet latched, but dial foot latching fell from use somewhat sooner than pillar latching did. Not every maker used latches, and those who did gradually ceased to use them on their movement pillars later so that they fell from general use toward the end of the century. So later in the century, and for some years thereafter, some makers kept a single latch on the center pillar and pinned all the other four. The point was that the single latch enabled the movement to be clipped easily together, thus leaving the workman with both hands free to tap home his four taper pins. So latches are often regarded as a high sign of very, very high quality and thought out. But this is not an infallible guide. The probability arises from the fact that at this early period when latches were in use, the quality of most clocks was very high anyway. So we're going to stop there. This will be section one of the early long case clocks in London. Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, signing out. Thanks everyone for listening.